I brought three books with me up here today. The first book is the book Kelly kept as she was pregnant with our son, Spencer. It records all the information leading up to and the day he was born. This is the good news about the birth of our son, Spencer. And this book has value to us. It probably has no value to you, but it has value to us. You have your own book, your own document of the birth of your child or your children, but to us, this book is the good news about Spencer. We have one for Sydney as well, so I don't want you to think that we forgot about her. But this tells everything about leading up to everything that was going on with us, with Kelly, with the pregnancy, with showers that people had, with people that were in our lives, with things that were on TV, with shows that we watched. This tells the good news about the birth of our son, Spencer. Now, I have a second book up here, and it tells us the good news about our daughter, Sydney. So, in the same way we have two on the birth, one for Spencer and one for Sydney, we do have a book for Spencer. I just wanted to illustrate a different kind of book. This book tells the events of Sydney's life, our daughter, up to high school. Call it what you want. Call it scrapbooking. That doesn't bother me. And it, it, it tells us everything about Sydney. This book could be bigger, but it just highlights the events of her life. Events that tell the story of who she is. Events that tell the story of her character, of her interests, of her friends, of her accomplishments. And this book has value to me and to Kelly. It probably has no value to you. But again, you probably have your own book or documents or scrapbooks of the events of your child or your children. But this tells us the good news about our daughter, Sydney, up to high school. So two books. One tells us the good news about a birth, and one tells the good news from the birth up through high school. I brought a third book up here with me today. It's called The Bible. And we're going to begin a new series today, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark. Now, if you're not familiar with what that means, there are four books in the New Testament called Gospels. The Bible's divided into the Old Testament and New Testament. And when you turn to the New Testament, the first four books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they tell the gospel, the good news, about Jesus Christ. And while the two books I brought up here probably have no value to you, this book, the gospel of Mark, along with the other gospels, should have value to you. Because the gospels tell us the good news about Jesus. The Gospels tell us the events of His life, events of the life of Jesus, events that tell the story of who He is, events that tell the story of His character and His interest and His friends, events that tell the story of His accomplishments. And these events are called good news. That's what that word gospel means. It means good news. Now, for centuries, the voice of prophecy has been silent. For centuries, the voice of God has been silent. For 400 years, nobody's heard anything from God. And they were accustomed to hearing something about God. In the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, we find a scripture that's kind of mysterious, but it's, it gave them hope. If you turn to Malachi, it says, I will send a messenger. You will see the Lord you're seeking come to His temple. So they knew that God was coming in some way, and then boom... 400 years, nothing. 
people are born, people die, generations come, generations go, nothing. And then all of a sudden, the voice appears again. And there's a voice in the wilderness. And we hear that, here's the message. We haven't heard from God in 400 years, and here's the message. Good news. And here's the good news. It's Jesus Christ. That's the good news. The good news is that God in the flesh came to this earth. The good news is that God, the Son of God, in Jesus, came to this earth. And so we're going to spend some time in the Gospel of Mark. So let me tell you today just a little bit about Mark. Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels. 16 chapters, about 678 verses, depending on what version you look at, and depending on whether you think the last part of Mark 16 should be included or not, about 11,000 words. You can go home and read Mark today, and you can learn about the events in the life of Jesus. You can learn about the people He ran with. You can learn everything you want to know about Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. There's no genealogy in Mark's Gospel. Nothing about so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, 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 boom, Jesus. There's nothing about the birth of Jesus in Mark's gospel. Nothing about kings coming to worship him. Mark shows us Jesus on the move. He uses this word in the Greek called immediately. That's English. Immediately after Jesus would heal somebody. Immediately he'd go somewhere somewhere else. Immediately after Jesus was in one town, he'd go somewhere else. Immediately after he'd feed somebody, he'd go on to the next deal. Jesus, Mark shows Jesus on the move. He's a man with a mission. He's a man heading somewhere. Immediately, he's going somewhere. Almost 40% of Mark's gospel is a detailed event of the last eight days of Jesus on this earth. 40% of his gospel focused on the last eight days that Jesus was on this earth. Mark gives more space to the miracles than any other gospel. There are about 35 miracles of Jesus recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark records 18. Now, Luke records 20. And you're like, well, Richie, that doesn't make sense. Luke records 20 in 91 pages. Mark records 18 in 53 pages. So he spends more time of his text talking about the miracles because he wants to show us that Jesus was a doer. Jesus was hands-on. Jesus was a servant, and he was always doing things with people. Mark's the earliest gospel that was written. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which one was written first? Mark was written around A.D. 50 to 70. Now, here's something that I found interesting. Of the 678 verses that you find in Mark, Matthew reproduces 606. Luke reproduces 320, or 58% of Mark's gospel you can find in Luke. In fact, of the 55 verses of Mark, which Matthew doesn't use, 31 are found in Luke, so there's only 24 verses in Mark's account that are unique to Mark. The rest of it you'll find in Matthew and Luke. And Mark was written first. So it leads us to believe that Matthew and Luke used Mark's gospel as the basis as the foundation for what they were writing. I find that interesting. And Mark doesn't beat around the bush. Let me explain. It takes Matthew 16 verses to get to the point where he tells us something specific about Jesus. It takes Luke 32 verses before he tells us anything specific 
about Jesus. It takes John 17 verses before he tells us anything specific about Jesus. Now, granted, the first 17 verses of John are kind of deeply theological, telling us about Jesus, but he doesn't say, this is Jesus. And yet Mark, right out of the chute, first verse, first 12 words, boom, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So he doesn't beat around the bush. Mark begins with an announcement. You ever received an announcement in the mail? An announcement is to inform us, and an announcement is to invite us. So we receive announcements about a birth. We receive announcements about a wedding. We receive announcements about an anniversary. We receive announcements about a graduation. And so Mark says, hey, I got an announcement. I'm going to inform you of a fact... And I'm going to invite you on a journey. In fact, I like this quote I found this week by Dr. Paul Rees. The gospel is neither a discussion nor a debate. It's an announcement. This isn't something up for discussion. This isn't necessarily something we need to debate. The good news, the announcement, is about Jesus Christ. So I I just kind of want to put the verse up there. And I just kind of want to point out a few words. He says the beginning... I'm just getting started. There's 11,000 more words that I'm going to say. This is just the start, the beginning of this announcement. But right out of the chute, hey, I got an announcement. And then he says, the good news. Yours may say gospel. The beginning of the gospel. It means good news. Now, you need to know, in that day and age, in that culture, this was not a Bible word. When the Roman Empire would expand their territory, when they would conquer another country, when they would win another battle, they would send out the gospel. They would send out the good news about the Roman Empire. Hey, we've gained some more land. Hey, you can go to this country. It's now part of our empire. Hey, so-and-so won a battle. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. In fact, they found an inscription in the Middle East almost with the same um, terminology. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. It's a word they use, the beginning of an announcement, a beginning of the good news. So that's what that word means. But Mark comes along and he says, you know what? I've got some good news that has nothing to do with Rome. I've got some good news that doesn't have anything to do with the Roman Empire. My good news is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he's won a battle. He's won a lot of battles. And he's gained some territory. And because of what Jesus has done, we have freedoms and we have peace and we have places we can go. And he says that in the midst of a Roman Empire that's gaining territory all the time. He says, I want to tell you um, the good news about Jesus. That's his name. That's the Old Old Testament word for Joshua, for Jeshua. That's his name. He says, Jesus Christ, that's not his last name. Christ, as you'll see if you have different translations, is the word Messiah, anointed one. I want to tell you the good news about Jesus, who is the Messiah. I want to tell you the good news about Jesus, who is the anointed one. So that's what that means. It's not his last name. And then he says, the Son of God. I mean, that's what gives this sentence, these 12 words, that's what makes this sentence pop. That's what makes this announcement special. They were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting a Christ. They were expecting an anointed one. They weren't expecting it to be God Himself. 
So he said, I've got some good news about you. Mark wants us to know that Jesus is the Christ, and that Christ is the Son of God. He wants us to know that Jesus is the one who's won a battle. He wants us to know that Jesus has done so much about us. Now, do you think they needed some good news? For 400 years, they've heard no news. For 400 years, they've not heard anything from God. And here they are in the midst of the Roman Empire. Here they are in the midst of oppression. Here they are in the midst of being taxed to the max. Here they are heartsick and poor. Here they are, A.D. 50, 60, 70, about to be persecuted and thrown into the ring with the lions, burned at the stake. Do you think they needed some good news? Their lives had no hope. They had nowhere to go. They were looking for a better future. They were looking for something better in their lives. And Mark said, hey, you need some good news? Uh, yeah, we could use some good news. They needed some good news. What about you today? You need some good news? I mean, are you feeling kind of beat down like they were? Maybe heartbroken? Maybe heart sick? Maybe taxed to the max? Feeling kind of poor? Open our Longview paper today, and at the top, the headline, the 12 gangs in Longview. You turn on the TV and all the activity going on in our town. The state of the economy. We've got a presidential election coming up. We hear stuff all the time, and it's not good news. You need some good news today? We go to the doctor. Hey, doc, give me some good news. I mean, who goes to the doctor and says, yeah, give me some bad news? We look at the economy and we look at the stock market. We're looking for good news. You need some good news today? I think we could all use some good news. And here's the good news. The good news hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Jesus is still the Christ. Jesus is still the Messiah. Jesus is still the Son of God. And Jesus is the good news that we need. And He's the hope of our world. Do you need some good news today? Let me give you some scriptures. Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest. And He understands our weaknesses. You need some good news? God understands whatever it is you're going through. And that's good news. In Philippians, He gave up all He had, and He became a human being and appeared in human likeness. And Mark says, that's good news that God came to this earth. You know, God could have stayed in heaven. Jesus could have stayed in heaven. God could have just yelled down something, Hey, I love you guys. But instead, He sent His Son, and He gave up everything He had. At just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us. You need some good news today? Somebody died for you. Can you name a lot of people who would die for you? Oh, they may say they would die for you. Jesus died for us. You need some good news today? God set you free when He sent His own Son to be like us sinners and to be a sacrifice for our sin. You need some good news she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You need salvation today, and that's good news. You need to be saved today, and that's good news. God is with us. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and that's good news. You need some good news today? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You don't have to perish today. You don't have to spend eternity in hell today. You don't have to worry about your eternity today. And that's good news. You need some good news? In Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. So we've got a lot of good news today. These books probably have no value to you. This book has great value to you. 
So I want to encourage you to go home and read through the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in it for several months. But listen, this book won't save you. I love this verse where Jesus says in John, You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. This is not eternal life. But this is good news about Jesus who gives us eternal life. That's why he says these are the Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have that life. There's a lot of people who know the book, but don't know the Savior. You can know the book and not be saved. But you've got to know the Savior to be saved. Now, in the midst of all this good news, there's some bad news. And the bad news is in this book as well. And the bad news is we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. We've all been disobedient. We all fall short of what God expects of us. And we're all going to spend eternity in hell. Unless someone makes atonement for our sins. And you and I can't do that. You can't live a good enough life where God says, Wow, I'm impressed. Come on into heaven. You can't do enough good deeds where you impress God. What impresses God is when we humble ourselves at the cross and say, God, I can't do this, but your Son can. The good news is, in the midst of our sin and our disobedience, Jesus Christ came to this earth to take care of our sin problem. And we're going to learn about that in the Gospel of Mark. So in the midst of bad news, we have good news in Jesus Christ. And the emphasis is not, you need to change. The emphasis is that the good news is that in Jesus, He can change you. Stop trying to change yourself and start letting God change you. So, you need some good news today. Here's the good news I want to share with you. The good news is you can wash your sins away through Jesus. The good news is that you can be free of guilt. Through Jesus. The good news is that you can stand right with God through Jesus. The good news is you can leave here today and not worry about your past and not be burdened down by any guilt, not be burdened down by any sins, and not wonder, hey, I wonder if I'm right with God. The good news is you can leave here today and know and have assurance that you're right with God. We read in this book that has value that in Jesus we have life if we give Him our lives if we will repent of our sins, if we confess, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if we're baptized for the forgiveness of sins, if you respond to Jesus, if you submit to Jesus, if you give your life to Jesus, the good news is everything He did at the cross covers you. You're free. No more guilt. You can pray in the morning, at lunch, and at night and know that you're right with God. Jesus can remove those doubts. You don't have to wonder, well, I hope I've lived a good enough life. I hope I've done enough. I hope I've read my Bible enough. I hope that, listen, you can never enough. But you can respond to Jesus. The good news today is that Jesus came so that we could be right with God as opposed to separated from God. So the good news could expand today. Because the battle Jesus won can continue to expand territory if you'll give your life to Jesus and give your heart to Jesus and submit your life to Jesus. If you need to respond to the invitation today, please do so as we stand and sing.